I've been blessed in my life to be surrounded by many examples of faithful servants to God who served uh, within the context of a local church. Um, the example of my, my parents, and not just my parents, my extended family growing up, I mean, it was just, it was just the way it was. It was just what we did. I really didn't know there was anything else. Um, but then as I got older, you know, the Lord surrounded me with spiritual mentors, and I just saw their commitment uh, to the ministry of the local church. Um, and then, of course, throughout my years of ministry, I've seen the countless numbers of people who have served faithfully uh, in the church. I was uh, talking with a fellow yesterday. He actually attends another church in the area. And um, he said that he um, and his family had been there since 1997 and that he served on the, on the um, welcome team and usher team. And now his son is now serving alongside of him in that role and stuff. And I just stopped and just thanked him, you know, on behalf of the body of Christ. You know, thank you for your long-term commitment to be uh, at this church, uh, not this one, but the church he attends since 1997 and faithfully serving. And I know that, that the church that he attends, and I know they went through uh, some real difficulties, but he, he stuck there and stayed, stayed with it. And so I really thank God for people like that. Maybe you don't have very many examples of, of people like that. Maybe uh, you'd, there's never really been like a, a churchman or a churchwoman in your life. And so what I wanted to do with the remainder of the time this morning is to introduce you uh, to someone. And his name is Epaphras. And um, Epaphras came to Christ through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, probably when the Apostle was um, planting the church at Ephesus. And um, eventually, Epaphras went back to his hometown, which was in Colossae. And Colossae was a nearby town, about 100 miles away from uh, uh, Ephesus. And, and we see that that was his hometown. He was probably a businessman there. And what is interesting is when he went back to his hometown in Colossae, um, he, he planted a church. He figured the best way he could minister to his community is to start a church. And he did that. Uh, evidence shows that the Apostle Paul never, probably never did ministry in the city of Colossae himself. And so we see uh, the work that was done there was done by Epaphras and by those faithful Christians in, in, in that city. Now, one of the things the Apostle says to him is found in the book of Colossae, and I'll just want to read it here. It's in chapter 4, and here's the word of God. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayer, that you might stand perfect and fully assured in the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropopolis. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. 
So I believe that Epaphras is an example for us to follow, even though we really don't know much about him. We can read the passages like this and we can pick up a lot. And I really think that he is a good example for us to follow as we considered a renewed vision for local church ministry here at Christ's Covenant. I just want to underscore the fact that Epaphras was an ordinary guy. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't an evangelist. He was an ordinary person, an ordinary believer. The gospel had impacted his life, and he wanted to share that with other people. And he knew that that could happen within the context of the local church. Let's just go through these little little niblets that the apostle gives us about Epaphras. Epaphras, the apostle starts out, says that he was one of your number. Paphos was one of their number. You see, the congregation of Colossae knew that who Epaphras was. He was the founder and the pastor of their church. So it's somewhat strange, this statement, that the apostle would start out by saying, Epaphras, who is one of your number. Well, certainly they knew that Epaphras was one of their number. He was the pastor. He was the founder of the church. So the apostle must be making a point in making this statement, I believe that the apostle is making a point that Epaphras was a longtime member and a pillar in the church. By this phrase, he's one of your number, I think the apostle is underscoring the fact that Epaphras wasn't a fly in, fly out sort of guy. Epaphras was one who stuck with his church, he was one of their number, he was one that they could count on. And I believe as we seek a renewed vision for local church ministry, I want to challenge each one of us to become one of the number. The Bible identifies the church as the body of Christ. The apostle writes, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, if my hand is cut off from my body, first of all, my hand becomes what? Dead. It's not effective. Why? Because it's not part of the body. And when we as Christians aren't part of the body, when we don't invest in the body, and I don't know if you figure it out or not, but this is the body of Christ right here. When we're not part of the body, then we become dead, inefficient, dysfunctional. I want to challenge you to be part of the body here at Christ's covenant. I want to challenge you that you would be someone that others count on. I want to challenge you to get plugged in and engaged as a functional part of the body here at Christ's covenant. You might not know it, But someone needs you. Someone needs you. The scriptures teach us that we all have spiritual gifts. And someone needs yours. Someone in this church needs you. Someone is depending on you to impact their life for the gospel. And the more that you push that away, the more you are hindering that person. 
Secondly, the apostle says that Epaphras was a bond slave of Jesus Christ. A bond slave of Jesus Christ. The local church, well, this is where we serve one another. But I have to tell you, as we serve one another, our focus has to be upon serving the Lord. Because I'm just going to tell you, people are going to disappoint you. I'm going to let you down. But if your focus is on serving the Lord, the Lord's never going to let you down. And so we are slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service as to the Lord, not unto men. The apostle writes in Corinthians, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Notice the apostle says that we should always be abounding in the work of the Lord, abounding in the work of the Lord. But he also says that our toil should be in the Lord. It is the Lord that we're serving. Amen. The Lord. When you come to serve in a children's class, you're going there to serve the Lord. When you help out with a mercy ministry, when you come and worship on the worship team, whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Because the Lord will never disappoint you. The Lord Jesus should always be the object of our worship and of our service. And as we seek a renewed vision for local church ministry, I want to challenge each one of us to be the Lord's servants. I want to I wanted to challenge you that as we engage in local church ministry, I want you to challenge you to do your work heartily. As for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of an inheritance. For it is the Lord whom we serve. Amen. It's uh, you know, last week I shared a little bit about the role of an elder and the apostle Peter writes, you know, that they should do this willingly and not under compulsion. And so it is for everyone serving in the church. You should do it willingly, not under compulsion. I'm not a used car salesman here. You know, I'm going to trying to challenge you to do what the scripture says is going to be glorifying to God and good for you. Thirdly, the apostle says that Epaphras labored in prayer. Epaphras labored in prayer for his church that they would stand perfect and fully assured in the will of God. Epaphras prayed for the spiritual health and for the vitality of his church. And I, and I pray that you are praying for the spiritual health and the vitality of this church. Many of you, as you've left on Sunday morning, you've expressed to me that you pray for, for me and the elders and the deacons and for the ministries of this church every day. And that's really comforting to me. It gives me a real sense of stability and Epaphras was devoted to prayer so that these people would stand perfect and fully assured. I just want to share with you some prayer requests for our church. Was, was that, would that be okay? First of all, I want to ask you to pray that our hearts would be burning with passion for Jesus. 
I want you to pray that everyone in this church, that their hearts would be burning with passion for Christ. I want you to pray that we all would have a high expectation that God is going to use the ministry of this church as an instrument of his grace in the lives of others. I want you to pray if you serve in the children's ministry, I want you to pray that as you come in to go and serve in those classrooms, that you would pray that God would use your words, your time, what your energy and really, really cultivate someone's heart for the gospel. That's what we do. As you serve in any capacity of ministry, you should have a, a prayer life that says, man, I really want God to use my time here. Thirdly, I want to pray. I want you to pray that the Lord would add to our number day by day those who are being saved. I want you to pray that we would grow in the knowledge of God's grace I want you to pray that we'd be faithful to God's word in our faith as well as in our practice within our ministries and the administration of this church. And I want you to pray that we would spiritually care for one another. As I said last week, that you would take time. Don't rush out the door. You have you've already spent two hours to get here today. What are you such a hurry for? The Western Diner is going to be open till four. <laughs> Stick around. Talk with people. Ask people, how can I pray for you? Tell me something exciting that's going on in your life. Tell me something that you really had to search God for. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do in church? Not just come in here. You got all dolled up just to come in here to listen to me speak. Man, you got really a really crazy life. No, it should be the fact that I come in here not only to praise God and to hear God's word, but I come in here so I can minister to other people that God's going to use my life to impact others for the gospel. Okay. Settle down, preacher. All right. Pathras, he had a deep concern for the local church. He had a deep concern for his home church, as well as he had a deep concern for the churches in the broader region. Listen, we, we all live busy and multifaceted lives. I, I understand that. We're concerned about so many things, like our kids' education, health, aging parents, our careers. And we're also concerned about the fact that maybe along the way we can get, a, get to be able to enjoy a little bit of leisure, right? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. We all have obligations at home and at work, and we all have relationships to mature within our families, our extended families, our neighbors, our work associates, and our friends. But I'm just here today to ask you, where does concern for the church fit in our lives? We're concerned about so many things. Where does 
concern for the church fit? Now, for, for some people, church ranks so highly that ministry always comes first. And even at the expense of everything else and everybody else, ministry comes first. While others barely ranks at all in church being concerned for the church and, and really just give the crumbs from their lives after everything else is taken care of. And what I'm suggesting is that I think that the between these two extremes <laughs> is something that we should seek the Lord to work in our lives. It, it, it's, it's, it, I know this is old school, but it's a virtue called churchmanship. Churchmanship. Good churchmanship is seen when a group of Christians truly and wholeheartedly dedicate themselves to their local church. They, they, they commit themselves to a community of believers whom they love and they want to work God to work in them and through them. This, this type of church is a church that loves people. <laughs> it seems weird that a preacher has to say that, right? But this type of church, a church that practices churchmanship, is a church that loves people. And we take time for people because we love them. We, we see that this type of people, this type of church is a church that, that willingly participates, serving Christ as a priority in their life. Churchmanship, I have to say, is a fading value in today's world, in today's church. And I believe we would do well to recover true churchmanship and call one another back to it. You're so concerned about everything else. And you lack concern for the bride of Christ. Brothers and sisters, what I'm suggesting this morning is that we need a renewed vision for church ministry. But I have to tell you, that will only happen when each one of us makes this personal. If you just keep what I'm saying up here this morning on a corporate sort of situation, you know, it's just pastor talking to a group of people and you never make it personal. We're never going to have a renewed vision for local church ministry. It has to be it has to get personal. What, what I mean is that we will not experience a renewed vision for local church ministry unless each one of us seek a renewed vision for local church ministry. We need to allow the Lord to create in us new wineskins, new wineskins, so that he can pour out the new wine of his spirit into this church. Amen? Listen, some of us have baggage from past church involvement. Some of you have been hurt some of you have been disappointed, and some of you have maybe experienced burnout. Some of you are very proud of the statement that says, I've been there, I've done that, I have the church t-shirt. But what I'm saying 
is that the Lord wants to pour out the new wine of his spirit in this church. And he cannot pour the new wine of his spirit into old wineskins. If you're going to maintain the same mentality, the same attitude, then the Lord's not going to waste his wine on you. Jesus taught us no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst those skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. Not to say the wine as well, but the new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, I always have to ask the Lord to create in me a new wineskins. I can't allow myself to maintain the same bad attitude. I have to allow the Lord to create in me a new wineskin. And when he does that, guess what he does? He pours the wine of his spirit in me. We must have a new attitude. In serving the church, the old attitudes, well, the old attitudes, they're just going to make a big mess. And I'm challenging you this morning to take off the old and to put on the new. What I'm challenging you is the new you, (laughs) the new you that is willing to serve the Lord, his church, his bride, his beloved. Listen. The church is the Lord's beloved, and you cannot go wrong by loving the beloved. I'm challenging you to stop the excuses, step out of your comfort zone, and serve the Lord in his church. And I want to tell you, and I want to admit to you, that I have to challenge myself in those areas. To stop the excuses, step out of my comfort zone, and serve the Lord in his church. And this is my job, for God's sake. I I do want to take a moment. I want to thank all of you that have been so faithful in serving the Lord here at Christ's Covenant. I want to thank the Covenant kids workers and the youth workers. I want to thank the worship team and the And the mercy ministries, I I want to thank all of you that do ministries behind the scenes. I was talking to a couple ladies after the service last week, and they told me that they've started this um, shut-in ministry. And they're starting and they and they every week they go to someone within our congregation that is ill and bedridden and can't get out, can't come to worship. I didn't have a clue that this was going on. Praise God, something's going on that I didn't have a clue about. I mean, these are unsung heroes. You finish teaching that children's class, there's not going to be a whole brigade of trumpets saying, thank you so much. But hopefully when you get in your car, you feel the presence of God. And the Lord is saying, thank you for loving my beloved I'm urging us to unite to bring God glory 
through serving the Lord here at Christ's covenant. The Apostle Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. It's not the result of works, so that no one can boast. We, we love that verse. Amen? Amen. You, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. It's not the result of works so that no one can boast. We love that. But you know, the Holy Spirit inspired the apostle to write one more verse after that. It's verse 10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Listen, listen to what the apostle says. He says, we are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus, yes, by grace, but we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has prepared you to do church ministry. And he prepared this before time even began. He wants to use you. He wants us to walk in ministry. So let us, who have been saved by God's grace through Christ, let us unite together and walk in the good works that the Lord has prepared for us here at Christ's covenant. Amen? Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we come to you and thank you that through the work of your Son, our Lord Jesus, that we are members of your church. Lord, you've called us out. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And Lord, you have orchestrated that in little and medium and large places of worship throughout the world, your people have gathered in local assemblies to do ministry. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you, Lord, would do away with our old wineskins and create within us a, a heart of a new wineskin, a new attitude saying, yes, Lord, here am I. Use me. Use me. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to love the beloved. And we pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.